0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to a very special 434th episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is a legendary Norwegian actress who has been internationally famous and admired for almost 60 years. She is best known for her 50-year personal relationship, five of them romantic, and 12 cinematic collaborations, including 1966's Persona, 1972's Cries and Whispers, and 1973's Scenes from a Marriage with the late Swedish filmmaker Ingmar Bergman. But she has also done great work in multiple films directed by another Swede, Jan Troel, most famously 1971's The Emigrants and 1972's The New Land. And in more recent years, she even became a respected director herself. The recipient of two Best Actress Oscar nominations, as well as five Best Actress Golden Globe nominations, one of which resulted in a win, she will, on Friday night at the Academy's 12th Annual Governor's Awards, receive an honorary Oscar in recognition of lifetime achievement. The great Lee volman The New York Times in 1974 said of volman quote, she has on film that indefinable quality, which is neither a matter of looks nor even of acting ability. It is instead a weird chemical relationship with the camera so that what appears on the screen is not just a marvelous face or style, but a complex, compelling presence full of depths and indisputably alive. Garbo had that chemistry. Brandon and Newman have it. So did Anna Karina when Godard was directing her. It is the rarest of gifts and can't be cultivated. Close quote. Over the course of our conversation, which was recorded in 2014 at the Toronto International Film Festival for a written piece, but the audio of which I now have the ability to share via this podcast, Olman, who was then 75 and is now 83, reflected on how she met and fell in love with Bergman when she was just 25 and he was 46 and wound up living with him on his isolated baltic island fora how her life and career changed after the tremendous reception of persona in which she played what the new york times described as in quote intolerably difficult close quote part why she never felt more satisfied as an actress than during her work on the two aforementioned troell films and never more disappointed as an actress than when she went to hollywood to try her luck there plus much more and so without further ado let's go to that conversation thank you so much for doing this we're really thrilled to have the chance to talk to you and i guess to begin with did you did you go to the movies as a kid and if you did were there any films or people that were particular favorites of yours
1: that's a good question because it's true i i love the movies and uh, in the little town where I grew up, you know, you had to stand in line, and uh, it was very important that uh, you got in because it was always full. And this is a long time ago. And uh, it was then that I decided I wanted to be an actress. And my favorite movies, and I saw them again and again. And later, as a grown-up, I, I I rented them, and then of course they were different because I was different. And it was all three of them, and I didn't know at that time, it was Vittoria De Sica, and it was Bicycle Thieves, Miracle in Milano, and Umberto Di. Wow. And and somehow I think if, 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 if I hadn't seen those movies, and again and again it, it being part of my life, I know that in certain ways I would have been different. And I still believe that in a way that certain movies can somehow change your life or your understanding of life and where you would like to be and what you want to care about. I, I love those movies and when I saw Miracle de Milano, you know, years later, or oh, was this the one? And I didn't see them as a child anymore, but it was different. But still, I would always say that. And later Limelight by Chaplin, again as a child.
0: Now, when did you first try acting yourself, even if it was just something silly around the house? And then was there a moment, I guess you're, you're sort of saying those helped to decide it, but was there a moment when you knew you were on the right path trying to be an actress?
1: And yes, I can say yes to that too, because I was very shy and I wasn't uh, looking great. I was thin and scrawny. and But I knew I had a thing I read. Hans Christian Andersen, the fairy tales a lot. And there was one of the fairy tales which was a little girl and she was freezing to death at at Christmas. And she was a street girl and she was walking around and nobody let her in. And then she sits down and she has one match left to warm herself and she does the match. And there comes a beautiful light and then comes her grandmother down. Now, I did that with some text from me, and I had, uh, which is in all my movies now, uh, Schumann's träumerei uh, playing that. And when I did that for my mother's grown-up friends, they cried, they saw me, oh Liv, you are lovely. Yeah, so I knew a way of, uh, hello, here I am. I would be part of the whole thing when I, I did That And for years, until I was too old, 11, 12, I I couldn't do it anymore. But yes, Hans Christian Andersen and uh, Schumann's Troy
0: Wow. Now, long before Persona, years before Persona, you were already acting on the stage and and in films. And I just wonder if you can talk about uh, just that period of acting in in your life before the world kind of learned about you.
1: Yeah, I started when I was uh, 17 and the first thing I did was Diary of Anne Frank. And, you know, you can't fail if you have somewhat talent and and it was a great success. And this was at the provincial theatre. I tried to get into the theatre school, but it didn't work. I did Miss Julie, you know. No, not Miss Julie, Julie and Romeo and Julia. Mm -hmm. And when she's doing, she drinks poison and it was wonderful, but while I was drinking poison and you know I was going to fall down and look incredible and do a lot of things, then I heard from down where the jury was sitting, thank you, that's enough, (laughs) and and it wasn't me. And I went, when they put up the list of the people, you know, that would come in, I stood there and I wasn't on that list and it was Horrible and a strange man that I saw his uh, thing and I wonder why did he come in he came in But I followed him and he never did it and that was okay And I went to my grandmother and I cried But then one in the jury liked me and he was the head of a theater in a little town in Norway He asked me to come and I did Anne Frank and I was immediate success Because what she says any young girl does understand Deep down, all human beings are really good, which also became a thing for me. Uh, And uh, from then on, I did a lot of big performances there. I was the only girl, and then I got film offers. And uh, the first, I played a kind of Norwegian whore, and I was still 18. I was still a virgin. And the director said well you're not a virgin are you no 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 <laughs> so i played this thing and you know i showed a little Ulman behind <laughs> and a little and it was a scandal because of our family was so highbrow was and, that
0: fools in the mountain or which was that no
1: it was called Umflug, the young escape okay. And they all tried to stop it and my uncle went down to the head of the cinema and said, please don't show it, don't show it. And they showed it. And my whole family, all of them, except my mother, never talked to me again. They wrote my mother letters saying, it's very good that her father is dead. First she's an actress and then she does this. And there were confirmation parties and weddings. I was never invited, I was horrible. And then they started to like me uh, a little. Uh, because I became so successful doing other films and then I, I was married and then I divorced and then they didn't like me anymore. <laughs> so I wasn't popular in my family for a long
0: time. Well, let's, let's talk now about you. You mentioned you refer to this. So how did you and, and Bergman first cross paths? It's almost, I guess, almost exactly 50 years ago. And, and what was going on in your lives at the time?
1: I had done a movie with Bibi Anderson, my best friend in, in the world, and I went to Stockholm after that and we were soulmates and And on the street we met Ingmar and it was incredible. It's like in the books and they talked and then he looked at me and he said, well I, I heard about you, would you like to be in a movie that I'm writing now? I thought he was lying and it was the truth and I got the script, uh, which was never made, but. At that time, he was going to do it with Bibi and me, and I had a tiny little part. I was so proud, all the newspapers interviewed me in Norway, you were the first foreigner, I couldn't believe it. And then just before we started, we got this letter, he's sick, he's in the hospital. And then Bibi and I went to Poland, and then we went to Czechoslovakia, you know, cried and everything, and then the embassy got hold of us and said, he's suddenly well again, he's been in the hospital, he's written a new script in 14 days, Persona it was called because according to him, but he lies sometimes, you know. <laughs> he said there were two pictures of his of us. And why would he have pictures of us in when he was so sick he was in the hospital? So you hear how the story is. And he said, Oh what a likeness, what a likeness. And then he but literally wrote that movie, and a month after we were in the studio and that didn't work so well, he wanted to go to this island, and we went to the island and we made Persona, and it's written on a picture of the three of us, Bibi and Ingmar and me, where it says, the three playing mates, so happy. And that's what I remember from that, and that became a sensation, and it changed obviously my career
0: too. Well, I want to uh, I want to obviously talk about the before and after of persona. But first of all, when you two first met, I believe you were twenty six and he was forty six. That's a no.
1: I was twenty five. Twenty
0: five yeah. and forty six. So almost twice your age. And and I I guess I wonder, in light of obviously, uh, on a professional level, it was exciting to work together. But on a personal level, you you two also hit it off. And so I'm wondering though, what was it about him that most appealed to you, and what do you think it was about you that most appealed to him?
1: I do not know. Obviously, what obviously appealed to me is the movies I had seen, the incredible admiration, and the way when we were in the beginning of the movie, and I I was very shy, I didn't talk, so it was good in the persona. I played somebody who absolutely didn't talk, and sometimes, you know, I would read waiting for my time and I would look up and I would look at the camera and there he was just looking at me. And, oh, can you imagine, you are 25 years old and this man is looking at me and he had a brown leather jacket. And my one memory of my father is, before he died, he had a brown leather jacket. So, it, 25 and I was romantic. To be true, is also, I knew, I couldn't describe persona intellectually at that time. I didn't even understand it. Neither did Bibi. But somehow we were inspired and the fantasy took over where our heads didn't take over. And I knew, this is really Ingmar. I just knew that. And the more I got to know him, the more I I was watching him and seeing him, I knew this is about him. And I know what he saw. He saw I understood that. And if that hadn't worked that way, that I understood it, and that I... He gave me trust, like he always gives the actors trust, and he saw what I was doing in the close-ups, he would have continued writing the movies that came for Max von Sydow for a man, Alan Josephson for a man, because... I didn't take over from Bibi or any of the girls. I took over from the men, and I knew that. And we never talked about that, but I knew that. And I know that he saw, that I saw him. And you know, sometimes I wasn't looking, the, the, oh, the intellectual soulmate is sitting there. Sometimes you are happy you have a dog and you, the dog is looking at you. You know that dog <laughs> recognizes you and knows you. And I think it was something like that. And I think we recognized each other. And we are very different, but we recognized each other. And that means so much. And then we fell in love.
0: And was there, I've read a lot of other interviews of yours to prepare for this, and it seems like there may have been a specific moment when you realized that you were in love, is that right?
1: I think it was twice I knew something is happening. And the first time, Bibi was saying, leave, don't do this, please, please, you mustn't, you know. And we were playing this... uh, cards on a table, a round table, and everybody has their finger on a card, and then the card starts to move on some numbers, and then you are given messages, and all the time these messages was, Ingmar, be careful, oh, leave, oh, leave, and things, you know, what? Even the spirits are saying this, I thought, and Bibi said, it's him, look at his finger, he is just doing that, don't fall for that. I fell a little, but then, when I really fell, because I had started to feel... I, I really loved him. And, you know, to, to look up there and to be able to act and do this thing, and he never criticized it. you know, you could take something down or up. And so I, I really felt I was seen. And seeing that face, looking at me as if I meant something in life. And then we were walking on the beach because we were at this island where he later built a house for the two of us the next year. And he moved there, we moved there. And we sat down at some stones and we were looking at the ocean. And and then he said, you know, I had a strange dream this night that you and I... We are painfully connected, yeah, so uh, I knew and I knew that he felt the same and there at that stone he he he, he built uh, that house and it's I'm very happy that I experienced that and you know sometimes and that's what I feel as the director too, sometimes when people really open up, then it is this connection between the camera and that person, and you feel everything you really feel you want to give, like if we were lovers at that moment, we can look at each other and feel so wonderful. And that is what happened between us, and that is what happened for me working in his films long after we didn't live together anymore, when we became really the the very best of friends and creative in very different ways and had a child together.
0: Now, uh, I just wanna, so people know a little bit more about the island that you're talking about. I I always mispronounce it, but I'm gonna try to do it the proper. Forer? Okay. Forer, yes. So, um, can you just tell us a little bit about what that came and why it was so special to you guys, because I know that during the five years that you were together, that was sort of the, the base of operations. And in some ways, a lot of very happy things happened there and a lot of tough things, it seems, happened there. So when you think of for uh, and how it came to be and what it meant to you, what, what can you tell us?
1: I think for him, it was wonderful because he finally found a home that was yes to him. This is how I want to live in... Isolation, for me it was to live with him and that he wanted me to, to be there and that we were together. After a while it became fearful for me because isolation is what he wanted and uh, he built uh, the next year a big stone, um, a wall because it became known that he was there and tourists who would find this place, although it's kind of hidden, they would come there and he didn't want to be seen, nor did he want us to be seen. And so I was living behind that wall and I was now getting to 26. That's not how I had pictured (laughs) my future. And then he didn't want me to go home to Norway and visit my... Mother and my friends and I. I had friends and I was Norwegian, and so after a while it became more and more difficult for me and more and more good for him. But what was good for him was so very much the island and with this woman. Maybe after a while,
0: and you had a. It would have been
1: better without me.
0: Well, and I, I just have to say, from watching the interesting documentary about you two, there's one of the more poignant things was this door to his office. Can you, for people who haven't seen the documentary, can you tell us about that?
1: You know, a book has come out about this door. It's a a poet, he has photographed this door, i tell you about the door, and it's incredible, and I know even more about the door. But each day, whatever the day had been, on this white door, which is in his working room, we would make a sign a heart, or a black heart, or an eye with a tear, or even a cross, and all kinds of things. And and we did that in all the five years. Uh, and it was amazing. But the beauty of that story for me is, because at that time, that's what we did. But the beauty of that story is for me, then I left the island, we continued to work all the time, work together, And he remarried and I married. The door never left his working room. And that's big honors to his wife. I mean, if I had been a wife, I would have (laughs) taken it out. The beauty, that door is still there. And each year when spring came, uh, he painted over. He made hearts as red when the sun had been there during a year. You know, the colors changed and they bleached. and and he changed it. I mean, when I know that, that is incredible. And then when I came back to do that documentary now, in his last years, not only did he paint and make it fresh again, but he changed it too. He put some express mail that you have on letters over some of these signs. And I don't even remember what was under these signs. And he would change something with the dates, and I don't know what that was about because I I never asked him. But that door was very important. And the sad thing about it is, no, there is no one there to do that. And so now it's almost bleached down. And soon, in a couple of years, or three, four years, the door will be uh, white again. But no, this man has made a book, so it's, it's still existing. That's but.
0: great. Now, Persona comes out. You are a suddenly an a international star. And I wonder if you can talk about how, how that impacted your life. You know, you can go out. When you went out, was, was life different? And how did you feel? Uh, were, you, were you ready for that?
1: Yeah, I think I was ready because by the time I also became known in in the United States and and other places, I had already done two more films while we lived together on the island. And then I did a movie because it wasn't really Ingmar's movies that took me to Hollywood. It was a a director, a genius, Jan Twell, who's still living, incredible, who made... uh, a picture about the emigrants, two pictures we did in a year, and that brought me to Hollywood. And I was then, I had matured. I was, uh, Hollywood, it wasn't, if I'd been 25 years, God knows what would have happened. <laughs> but I was you getting were. closer to 30, and uh, uh, it was, uh, it was fun, and I knew whatever happened in Hollywood, I had the best of luggage. I had Ingmar's at least three or four films as my, my luggage. And I, you know, Hollywood, they gave me everything, and my agent said yes to everything, and he shouldn't have done that, and I shouldn't have done that, and I, in a year, I think I closed down two studios, and you know, <laughs> it was a disaster. But I have to be honest. I was leave. I went down back to Sweden and did scenes from my marriage. I started to write books. I, I did things on Broadway. Uh, it came when I was older and I, I never changed, I think, because it happened somewhat late in life and because... I, I was Ingmar. He was watching me. I wasn't going to... To change either, because as much as he was the love, but he was also a father. You know, I was not going to, to, to change, and I didn't.
0: One thing that really surprised me, and from reading another interview of yours, was that you seem to, you've said that I can see today that I was beautiful, but I never felt so at the time. And yeah. meanwhile, the whole, the the whole world is telling you that you're beautiful. How is that possible? I. You-
1: I do not understand, and my daughter is saying, oh, there's no trouble for you because you were so beautiful. No, I was this scrawny girl who, you know, had to be the little girl with the matches and dying on Christmas Eve because nobody cared about it. That's how I see myself. But no, I see pictures. I had no idea. Richard Avedon, all of them, Skravelski, I don't remember all the names. I am incredible, but no, it wasn't me. I never saw myself that way. And in Ingmar's movies, I don't look like that because he aged me, I wasn't allowed to wear makeup and so, and that's who I was, or that little girl who wasn't very attractive. But yes, I was beautiful, but it didn't affect me. And luckily, because then I may have done facelifts and so to keep it, it, that wasn't part of my life.
0: Now. This may seem like a weird question, but did you like Bergman more when you were married and working together, or after you were no longer together and but working together still
1: after and of course in the beginning, I mean everything. but during those five years in in Florida, of course, after a while there i I had more tenderness love understanding everything after i had moved away because we shared everything and even you know directing his his scripts oh no i forever i was very happy
0: and i do want to take a a moment to talk about the the two movies that you did with Jan troell because the emigrants and the new land were terrific. You get an Oscar nomination for the first time for the emigrants, and uh, and as you say, it brought you to Hollywood eventually. But um, why? It, my sense from everything that I've read is that those were, in some ways, maybe even your the the films or the work of which you're proudest of your own. Yeah. Um, and so, what was it like making them? What What do you think when you see them? And uh, and yeah, let me leave it at that. Well, when I
1: see them, I, I really don't sit and, and watch myself. And the truth is, if I'm clicking or whatever on the TV and I see it's a movie of mine, I don't stop there because it is boring. But there has been festivals where I see and pieces of it. And for example, then it's more interesting to see Bibi. That's what she looked like then, and I remember things. Yearn to L when I see parts of that, and so. It's everything that I wanted first of all my life to be one man, one hand, always and 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 the children and the life of her and she was such a good woman, Christina. And I really got to live the life of a very good and gentle and fine woman and and it went over such a long time from she was very young until she she, dies. What I feel then, it was a year of my life making two movies with a very small troop and some of the actors also had were electric, uh, man who does the electric. We were like eleven people, we were very close. Uh, That was the best year almost of my professional life and that's when it ended for for Ingmar and me because uh, I wasn't staying there. I came home when I was free, but mostly I did the movie, went to United States, to Mississippi River and continued the movie. And when it was finished, it was also over. I I left uh, for her. And whoever ended it, I don't know. Maybe he first and then I afterwards. It took me like two years to make sure that I was leaving too, so even though it was over, I know I knocked on his door. We were doing another film, and one night, and I say, I want you to know, it's it's over with us. And I think he was very surprised. And I even heard he was telling the story because he didn't want me to come in. He had jumped out of the window because he hears, you know, woman, it's been over for two years, and now she's going to confront him and say it's over. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, so anyway, it was over, and we had a. Great time till he he died.
0: Quick question about the Oscars because you had first a nomination for The Immigrants and then for Face to Face a few years later, and I know in the grand scheme of things it it may seem like a trivial thing to focus on, but I'm very interested. I know that at the time you were uh, your publicist was John Springer. We now have Gary Springer, and that's great. But I want to ask you about what if, in those days uh it, first of all today it's gotten crazy i don't know if you see the way they campaign for oscars but do you remember i mean there was campaigning even in those in those days and certainly well before that and just out of a out of a curiosity about history what what did a campaign involve did you do all kinds of different publicity to in the run up to the nominations
1: yeah you did a lot of interviews and so of course it was a red carpet it wasn't about what you were dressed and all that i mean that is so (laughs) so different but you know i was lucky because i had my agent was robbie lance and it he was like a father and he really kind of although i said yes to all these movies but he was basically you know protecting me and john springer who was the publicist, I, I love him, I adore him, and 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 the way he made me not understand what wouldn't have been good for me if I had understood. He was so protective, and, and whatever bad happened, I didn't really know if it was something bad. So even not winning an Oscar, I think John told me, aren't you lucky, you don't know what happens then, and I had my sewing circle there, and we, Um, I I have been very lucky in my life because I've been surrounded, you know, for most of my life with people that were older than me and that knew more than me and that cared for me. And that's the only sad thing, really. Not the only, one of the things. Now that I'm older than anyone, I don't have those people anymore because who is older than me, (laughs) you know? But, But they were... They were uh, fantastic. So I never, even this, you know, I really did close down more or less two studios, but I never felt that. To me, it was a fun story to tell.
0: And actually, one of you, you there's an opportunity to ask you about another person who was older, and I think very, um, it sounds to me, helpful to you when you came to Hollywood, uh, and that would be Signe Hasso, right?
1: Yes, she was incredible and you know was she
0: for people that don't know
1: She's a great great star as big as Greta Garbo But she came to Hollywood at the same time as Greta Garbo and for some reason Greta Garbo Was built up even more. Signe Hasso from Sweden from the same place as Greta Garbo She didn't have those people I think protecting her and allowing her to grow. She would have been Greta Garbo, and for sure she was a better actress. She was a great theater actress as well. But when I came to Hollywood, you know, they didn't ask for her the same way. And it has to do with age, and she was now of a, a certain age. But I know what she did to me. She was there, and she she was protective, and she explained things for me. And, um, I was so lucky, and uh, and she was beautiful and older, and I had one more, and that was Rock Hudson. Really? And I have no idea how that happened, but the publicist in Hollywood when I was so long, of course, John Springer, my publicist also in New York, he wasn't there. So the publicist for all these American movies in that one year was uh, Tom Clark and he was the boyfriend of Rock. And so I got to know him and he was fantastic. When my sewing circle came from Norway to visit me and so, he would invite them for breakfast. He took them to Disneyland and stars were nothing for me because I had Rock Hudson, but he wasn't a star. He was just somebody there. And when I, I fell in love with somebody who had not The best of reputation with women or alcohol and anything and rock said don't go there you know this is not the man for you oh but and so i didn't tell him i went there and one day it was ringing on the door of this man i will make him nameless but he was very famous then and outside is rock hudson he said i'm coming to get leave I will never forget it and he came to Norway and we did a record together where we, we it was for a boat that was now going to go to refugees and and so and we were there and some other famous people from Hollywood but rock was there and we made a record uh, together baby it's cold outside he couldn't sing neither could i but this record sold enormously this tiny little uh, record and he was fantastic. Right. Signa House and Rock Hudson, I was lucky. And, and the producers I had also awesome. were good. Everybody was good.
0: Now, after all this adventure apart from Bergman, to go back and then do cries and whispers, and then even more personally, maybe scenes from a marriage.
1: I know, but I went back, yes, to do scenes from a marriage after what happened in Hollywood. And one of my big things in Hollywood, I have to tell that because that's the truth. You know, when I was in Hollywood, I had my year of that. And in this house and with the swimming pool, it's very different from the way we live in in Norway, and Scandinavia. And the big thing was in the bathroom, the toilet, it really was like, you know, where kings sit when they <laughs> do throne. their thing, yeah. a throne. It was a throne because, you know, stars mustn't know that they're doing these things, you know. <laughs> so they were sitting on the throne and I had the throne. And so when it was all over and I went back to Sweden, I was going to do then scenes from a marriage that became maybe Donald's most public movie, apart from Fanny Alexander. We were again on the island. No, I didn't live with Ingmar. I lived with a troop, and we didn't have toilet. We had outdoors toilets, you know, with holes in And And I know, sitting there, I didn't miss the throne or anything. (laughs) I felt, yes, I I am so lucky, yes, yes, yes. that has been my blessing in life, that, you know, I didn't stay too long where it was no good for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now uh, just making movies with this person who you were have a very different relationship w- with than you did when you started, not only doing that, but telling stories that in some ways were about your own experiences, was that tough, a scenes from a marriage or something? Was that a typical...
1: You know, this man who made a documentary about Lieb and Ingmar, he made it, and I was surprised when I saw it first, how can he say that Ingmar's movies is about us? First of all, he was never violently with, you know, never, never, but he was angry. So the violence he shows in his movie, he shows violence by, uh, what do you say? hitting and doing things, but he's really talking about the violence we feel inside, which is deadly and horrible. And then I got to think about, no, of course it's not about Liev and Ingmar, but Ingmar made movies about people, about the things in people that they don't talk about, what they feel, what is their anguish, what is their hope, what is their dark side but it has to do with everyone and people say he's so difficult and problematic he really isn't he really isn't it's it's how he in his anxious way very often feel this is what it is to be a human being it's not a harmonic state it's not about us it's about the way he feels we we are living how difficult it is, and that we never really tell each other what we're feeling, that we are kind of isolated. So these movies are not about us, but also about us.
0: Interesting. I know you did get a kick out of, uh, in Autumn Sonata, you got a kick out of when Ingrid Bergman spoke back to Ingmar Bergman, right? Uh, Yeah. Because that was not something you would have necessarily done.
1: No, we never did that. But you see, we didn't have to do that so much because this is what he felt. He wrote the script, he gave it to us, and we had to understand it, because he wasn't saying what we were thinking and feeling. That's up to you, you the actor. And so, but Ingrid, why did you write that? I don't like this sentence. What do you mean here? He hated it. He really hated it.
0: Now, I want to talk about this period of transition, sort of away from acting to directing, because it happened in a kind of interesting way. It seems to me that you go to Broadway during the mid, I guess mid '70s early '80s. Great success, two Tony nominations. People loved it. You then turned down the last Bergman movie, Fanny, or did not? Yes, you I did. Tur-
1: it was crazy, and it's not a lie because he wrote about it in his own books. Leave turned me down. He f- and I don't know why I did it. I wanted to be your own person. My own person. There was no reason. I was my own person. I turned it down, and he phoned me, and he said, you have given up your firstborn rights. And that sounds really scary, and I don't know what he meant. And we didn't speak for for a year, and then I came to Stockholm, and I saw the movie before the premiere with him, and I cried and I cried. I don't know why I did that. And I've seen his script, it belongs to the museum in Stockholm, where at some of the monologues he said, hell to you leave, and like that. She was wonderful, the one who did that part, but he had to rewrite it because she's younger and had to rewrite it. And uh, he still, when he was doing it, was angry at me and wrote me letters in his script, and those scripts exist, so I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, he missed you. Yeah.
0: But I guess my point in some ways is that you continue to work, even into the beginning of middle age, which a lot of actresses, they find it dries up. You were doing great stuff. Gabi and Rose Garden all and all this, and yet there was, at some point, there was a decision, I guess, that you made, I'm going to set acting aside, I want to direct, and I wonder if you remember, was it more that you didn't want to act anymore, or that you wanted to direct, or how did that, how did that turning point come about?
1: Well, I, I, I'd, I'd never planned it. I did a short film, which I loved, about love and, you know, no dialogue, just beautiful music. Troy Murray, like I did when I was a child. I used Troy and about all people loving each other and nobody knows. We don't know how incredible they are when we see them, but they are full of love. But I was asked to write a script for a feature film in Denmark and, and I did that and, the producers in Denmark, they loved it, and they said, why don't you direct? And I hadn't even thought about it. And I called Ingmar again from the airport. They're asking me to direct it. You think I can direct? Oh yes, you can direct. And actually that very simple answer from him, I told them yes, and uh, suddenly my life changed again, because while I was doing that movie, uh, I felt this is maybe my school. I know so much of what the director should do. It is to allowing and give trust to the actors. And I knew what the director should not do, and that is going in and stamping on their fantasy. And it has given me, I think, in certain ways, more pleasure than acting, because I don't have to think about me and what do I look like. Oh God, no! I'm having that face again, I've used that before, and and so... No, it was someone else, and I can sit there and I can watch, and I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm giving them the words, I'm giving them the opportunity, and if they feel I trust them, and if I am then like you are in love, when suddenly, somebody is seeing you and you feel free to be really who you are you can get incredible performances not because i do it but because they do it and they have that trust and that's why i think i've been lucky because i get incredible performances from the actor no i don't get it 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 happens happens. because they take over
0: and interestingly when you started directing wasn't there something of a a pact that had been made even before that between you, Erlen Josephson, Max von Sydow, and Sven Nykvist about because uh, that you would appear in each other's movies or something along those lines? Yeah,
1: we, yeah, we talked. Actually, I appeared in one of Sven, but uh, yeah, it was not my best movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it was nice but that we you t- continued to work together. Yeah, but we worked together, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And do you find that as director, your approach to directing is more... Is it influenced by a Jan Troell? Is it influenced by a Bergman? I mean, you do. It seems like you like yeah. the close-up as Bergman did. You do family stories about families, which was a Troel thing. I mean, do you? Who do you think it has influenced you the most as a director?
1: I think both of them, uh, Jan Troell and Ingmar Bergman. And when I say, "Yeah, we promised each other to work together," I said wrong because it really was that. I wanted them in my movies, I wanted Sven Nykvist to be the cinematographer of my movies, and and uh, I think in maybe very much Ingmar, the stories I want to tell are Jan Troel's stories. Uh, the way of doing it is very much the way Ingmar did it, and, and, the, and the close-up. And also for me, because I'm a theatre actress, I belong to the theatre, I love the theatre and what happens when everything is alive, the audience and and and, and the actors, the film. I want to bring theatre into a movie. Actually, like Vittoria De Sica did, because um, Miracle in Milano, that is theatre, but it's also film. I want to take the best from theatre, and I want to take the best from the camera. I want that eye to come very, very close to the actor, so it's a duality. So you see the big things and the elegant things from the theatre and then that eye goes in and it shows you maybe what was that person really thinking when that person is saying that. And I don't know, it's mostly maybe Ingmar, but it's uh, it's Trell well, too.
0: And, and with, uh, with Miss Julia, I mean, that obviously has had a life on the stage and then it's been made into films before. but. The way you do it is so interesting, and the people you do it with is is terrific. And I, I want to ask you about sort of why you decided to, to do that of all the projects after a few years of not directing, but also... I did
1: direct <clears throat> a lot of theater.
0: Theater, of course, yeah. right, and Cate yeah. Blanchett and wonderful stuff. Yeah. But to go with Jessica Chastain, who I have to say I think is as good as it gets as an actress, yeah. and I actually think that she looks exact, very similar to the way you looked at the same stage in life. I don't know if you ever, if that occurred to you, but why Miss Julie, why Jessica Chastain?
1: Because the producers and they were English speaking and it was supposed to be an English language movie. Can you make something on femme fatale? And I didn't know what it was. And then suddenly, yes, I thought Miss Julie and they said yes, and then I adapted it writing i of course i knew the swedish one because i know swedish i had his script and a lot of english translations and so and i adapted it and it was during that time yes i was thinking of jessica chasing because i'd seen so many movies and they were all different and who is this person and then i met her and i heard everything she knew she talked like a theater actress and she works like a film actress and and so she was so right for this. And Colin Farrell a lot of people wondered why did you take Colin Farrell? I just think he is incredible. And and to make that part that most people do like a big macho when that's not what that person is at all. And and that's what he gave us. A man with oil down hair and a man who wants to leave where he is and become something else by trying to look like somebody else without changing who he, he really is.
0: Oh, that's great. Perfect. Perfectly cast. Um, and for the last two minutes, if I may, I just, these are the, these are questions that I wonder if you can just, the, the first quick thought that comes to your mind, what, what your answer might be, uh, or, or what the answer is. Um, first of all, where do you live today? In the world, I know where you know. What yeah, I mean, but I
1: live in myself because I am Norwegian, and when I understand that from now on I may stay in this bed, I want to be in Norway, and I want to be buried in Norway. Uh, I am Norwegian, but I live more in United States, and I'm very happy to 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 do that. But I cannot give you an address no. because I have addresses everywhere, so I can only say I I live. And as close as I can to my friends and my my daughter and
0: and and so.
1: I don't know how to say one word. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How could I say? I'd say in myself. I live in myself.
0: Do you watch a lot of current film and if so, who are what are some of the great movies and people that you really like a lot today?
1: I like many. If I mention some, I will be so upset when I get out of here, I forgot that person. Sure. I, I love movies that make me walk out and see what an interesting thing it is to be a human being and when there's something to talk about.
0: Sure. With the, yeah. the last time you saw Bergman, what what do you think about when you think about that? Uh,
1: I just felt I was in Norway. I felt felt uh, he may be going, and I rented a plane. I've never done that in my life. And I went to the island, and he was in bed, and uh, I don't know if he heard me, because he was on his way. And I didn't know that before I came. He was on his way. And the last movie I had that he wrote, I come to visit Alan Josephson, who was my husband, and, and we've been divorced for a long time. And Alan says, why did you come here? And I answer from the movie, I thought you called me. And while I was sitting at his bed, and it was afternoon, I just said, I felt you were calling me. And I don't know if he heard it, but he was there. And um, I held his hand, and he had a picture. Uh, of Alan and me from the film uh, there and um, and it was afternoon and but I don't know if he knew and that night he died but unfortunately he was all alone so nobody knows I know my daughter was there but at that time she wasn't allowed into the room I don't know why very strange but he was
0: I'm sure he knew. That's, uh, I think he knew. If someone could only see one Leo Bellman movie in which you acted, and then one that you directed, which would you want them to be?
1: Well, the immigrants and the new land acting. Uh, obviously, I have to say, because it's my last Miss Julie's where I am today.
0: Sure. And finally, many years from now, when all of us are, are gone, and people are going and still studying these movies and this period in history and all of that, how would you like them to think of and remember the moment?
1: I don't think so many would. That doesn't mean something. But those who knows me and those who see the movie, that I, I really wanted to say that we are individual, that beauty exists and it's important to be a human beings. We are not numbers. We are individuals and and that we connect that i'm trying to say something how important it is that we connect Um, you are forgotten quickly but the best of you is somewhere around and it doesn't have to have a name but it can be a good thing in your life somehow
0: thank you so much this was fantastic really appreciate it
1: thank Thank you you. (laughs)
0: Thanks very much for tuning into Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Scott Feinberg. Until next time, thanks for joining us